You're listening to The Outpost. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Outpost Podcast. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, listen in. And uh, I want to make one specific announcement for CCU students, all you CCU currently enrolled students out there, if you're interested in um, uh, the, the upcoming silent retreat, now's the time to register. Uh, you can register at SG, sgi-net.org um, and click on the retreats up in the uh, upper menu and it drops down to SGI retreats and you'll find all the information and how much it is. We still, <coughs> excuse me, we still have seats available. Uh, and even if we don't even if you go there and find out that indeed uh, it's sold out. Still sign up for the waiting list because we in in, in usually in a lot of time and a number of different times we have had um, times where uh, uh, people have had um, work obligations or other things that get in the way and they have to drop off. And so in that case, uh, they're they're. they're uh, um, uh, seat becomes available. And if you're next in line, then we will plug you in and give you an opportunity to sign up. So don't hesitate to do that. Uh, again, sgi-net.org uh, and the drop down menu for retreats at SGI men, uh, retreats. And you'll find the two listed there. One is live, which is this fall. It goes from October 12th to the 15th. And then there's a spring one and there will be a couple other ones added. Um, relatively soon. So let me give you a little bit of a background here so that, um, because I, I want to apologize for missing last week. I, I may make a goal, which you, you're already hearing what's going on, right? Uh, <coughs> I, I make a goal of, uh, doing these podcasts every week and trying to keep up with and follow some kind of continuity of topic, uh, which we're right now we're in toxic, non-toxic Christians. And that's what I want to follow up on tonight. Um, but last week was a unique circumstance. <clears throat> we went camping with my grandsons and, uh, uh, it, it, the whole party got crashed by me dropping into an, to a, an issue that I've been battling for quite some time called atrial fibrillation. It's called AFib for short. I dropped into that while we're camping of all things. It was really inconvenient, needless to say. And so, uh, my, my grandkids and my wife, uh, graciously had to break camp and get us ready to roll while I'm struggling to keep from being winded, you know, walking 15 feet, which is really humiliating and embarrassing all at the same time. So, uh, my apologies for missing last week. 
and like I said, I well, not like I said. My hope is is that I will be able to get some kind of consistent streak here going. So uh, we we you you can count on it. Our our one of our efforts is going to be with uh, my social media team is to try to. Uh, keep this kind of in front of you so that you're aware that we're still here even though we drop off uh, the the uh, active podcast list at times uh, at least on Instagram uh, so that you know that we're still here and we're still doing things and and there are plenty of things to to uh, think about and interact with uh, usually with with the stuff that I say I I never know exactly what's what's going to come out. And so, uh, that's why, uh, my, uh, two social media people go over it and, and, uh, pick out what they think might be interesting to our, my audience. And that's, that's how we do that. So stay tuned. You, uh, and I'll, I'll give you all the information on where we can be found on Instagram as well. So big picture, the, 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 the mother organization or mothership, if you will, for the Outpost podcast is Stained Glass International, or SGI for short. And what we're trying to do is to create a space where doubters, wounded, confused, beat up, beat down, bent, and bruised, who feel like their lives are disappointment to God, to feel accepted enough to be known and know others. And so what we want to do is to, to be a place where people can meet the biblical Jesus as he is, not as he's, they have been told he is. So, and you can do that. That's possible, and so uh, that's that's what we endeavor to do. So, SGI's mission is to equip, encourage, and empower the next generation to live authentically in relationship to Jesus, others, and themselves. And what we're trying to accomplish is develop what I call outposts for the heart and communities for the soul. At least initially, those outposts are probably going to be digital. They're going to be online. Um, and that will be take the form of groups of people that are talking about specific topics or areas and connecting over those things. And it's not, not just time set aside to um, whine and moan, but it is, is time set aside to um, process life and tell stories. And it's in our stories we learn as we listen to other people's stories and tell our own because the minute we start to tell our own story – we own our story, really. I mean, a lot of times we lock it up because we're we're not convinced that, well, actually, we are convinced that people will think about it like we do. And so that's what, that's what we want to create these to do. Our long, long-range goal, if you want to put it that way, is to have these digital groups become real person groups wherever, wherever there are. And, and we'll do our best to train leaders so that they can lead well, because I think that's a key in terms of groups uh, functioning as outposts um, in the area that you're in. And so, you know, if you're interested, um, keep your eyes peeled on the, on the website at sgi-net.org. Um, and, and there will be an opportunity to sign up if you're interested in leading a group or getting some leadership training to be able to do that. That would be our desire. So that's that. Um, the other thing about SCI is it sponsors, as you already heard. <coughs> Sorry about that. 
the other ministry is is sponsoring and leading silent retreats for young people. And this, this is a unique thing. Uh, the way we do silent retreats is not typical at all in the more traditional sense as uh, some uh, particularly Catholic church would have, have people doing it. Um, and so we, we uh, blend um, a community-based approach to doing a silent retreat. So we do silent retreat together. And at the same time, we do it in silence and solitude. And that's what those retreats are really all about. So they're there on the website. If you sign up, you'll, you'll be uh, notified when something new material comes up. Uh, we're hoping to do the kinds of things, at least at the very least on Instagram, where you can interact and ask questions. And, and it, <coughs> it may prompt me uh, to uh, do a blog. And, and if, if I need to, I'll follow up even on the podcast itself. So that's, that's enough. That's enough of the introductions and all the other things that go along with it. So what, what I want to do, last week, uh, two weeks ago, um, I, I started talking about, is there such a thing as non-toxic Christians? And I think where we landed when I was done is that <clears throat> it's not actually non-toxic because that defines them by what, they're, what they aren't. But it's more a matter of, are they connection Christians? Are they driven to connection first before they start correcting you? And so I, I ended, and I didn't end the way I wanted to, uh, because I was, I was concerned about overstaying my welcome uh, whenever I'm doing this. I'm sensitive to your time and also um, your ability to kind of process the stuff that I might talk about. Um, and and hopefully, just as a sidebar, hopefully I, it won't always be me. I, I'll, I'll have uh, <laughs> other people to interview about some of these topics. So one of the questions, one of the things I did when I was looking at, at um, non-toxic or connection-driven Christ followers is uh, f- five different areas of questions, okay? Five, is that right? Five or six. Um you know, what do they do with the truth? And we talked a little bit about the big difference between big T and the truth of God and reality and all of that. And then little t, the unique truth is ours. It's about us, what's going on inside of us. And and so how do they handle that stuff? Do they enter through the little t and then at the appropriate time uh, uh, provide a, a big T understanding of it or perspective of it when I'm ready to hear that. Um, so we talked a little bit about that. If you're interested, go back, take a look at episode two. These are easy to keep track of because there's so few of them now. Um, so in episode two, you'll find something out about that. Um, where I left off was how do, well, let me back up. Uh, so how do they handle truth? How do they handle a, a control? control and trust and what do they do in terms of freedom and allowing people to choose and how do they handle that and so um so there's there's those two dimensions we looked at last time i left off with (coughs) asking a little bit about um how do they handle boundaries and again when i talk about this uh it is very much 
uh, I, I'm very much indebted to the work that John and Henry, John uh, Townsend and Henry Cloud did with their original book, Boundaries. And I, I, I was part of the support team, if you will, with Boundaries. I, I worked with t- two other therapist friends of mine, and we wrote a Boundary uh, devotional that actually takes people through what's going on in their lives and what do they pay attention to and what, what are good boundaries and how to maintain them and all of that stuff. And if you're interested, if you're interested, uh, you can sign up for the digital version of that on the website, uh, and you'll you'll find it under resources uh, and paid resources. It's it's five dollars a month, so I'll, the cost of a latte maybe. Um, and if you want to do a half a year uh, or six months, semi-annual, it's uh, fifty bucks. And if you want to do a whole year, it's, it's a hundred bucks. So it, that's that's just a sidebar. So. Um, so how do they handle boundaries and, and how do they understand what's mine and what's not mine or what's me and not me? And so, but these people that in, in terms of how they handle their boundaries oftentimes fall out into four different groups of people, if you will. And, and so I, I, I want to identify and help you understand because how they handle a boundary says something about how they handle their connection with you. And I think this has led to some really significant issues um, and a lot of hurt that people oftentimes experience. And that has transferred into how they see the church, how they see God, how they see all of that stuff. So, um, so there's four groups of people. Uh, the first group I want to talk about is something called, uh, or people that I call, <coughs> it's all about the outcome people, okay? Um, it's about outcome and getting certain outcomes. And for these folks, no is simply a challenge to overcome. So you may have a boss like this, or you may have other people in your life, and you say, no, I don't really want to do that. And then they they jump to attention to try to convince you otherwise. Now, ultimately, these people that are about outcome uh, have a tendency to resist taking responsibility for their own lives. So they seek to get other people to do their, their, do their work for them, in a sense. And along that line, they, they project responsibility onto other people. So sometimes they'll make this, this uh, comment about, if you hadn't, then I wouldn't kind of comment. You know, if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be in this position or these things wouldn't have happened or anything like that, rather than looking at what's mine. I mean, what choices did I make that led led us to this place? So that's the big picture, the big category is the outcome people. Now, there are two subtypes here that we have to talk about. One is the intimidators. And the intimidators, everybody knows. Everybody can see them coming from a mile away. They don't listen. They run over fences. Sometimes they can escalate to verbal, emotional, physical abuse. Um, there, there really is no place for anyone to say no to them. And, and in a lot of ways, they interact with people like objects. Uh, they, you know, it's like, what can you do for me? Not who are you with me? And so sometimes they aren't even aware that people have boundaries. And a matter of fact, most of these people, when I start talking about boundaries, they're the ones that that openly resist the idea of boundaries, partly because they they 
they don't want to be reined in. They they want to handle life this way. And the funny thing about it is, is they will say, well, it gets things done. See, that's that's the outcome, right? It gets things done. And and I, I might uh, ruffle a few feathers along the way, but it gets things done. So you have those types, those intimidators. And like I said, you don't have to guess. Pretty much we can identify them a long way away. We can identify them in our lives. Now, the second one is a little bit more convicting because these this group is not the intimidators. They're the manipulators. And they're less honest, really. I mean, intimidators don't make any excuses. They just do their thing and lean on people and say, no, it's not, not acceptable. You, you've got to do what I tell you to do or whatever that might be. And like I said, remember when I said when they escalate, it's not so much that they escalate it's they threaten to escalate and that's enough to get us to comply oftentimes or better way to put it to collapse our own boundaries okay so the manipulators are really less honest and they just try to persuade people that they wanted to do it all along whatever it is they want you to do so sometimes they will actually manipulate circumstances in such a way so they they create this illusion that the other person has already th- thoroughly bought into it. And so they are very skilled with words. They are very much, you know, framing things for the person so that what? So they can say yes. And yes is really the only acceptable answer. And they keep coming back to the well and, and uh, you know, kind of pushing on people and that sort of thing. Um, now, manipulators can turn into intimidators, far and away. Uh, and that's possible. Intimidators rarely turn into manipulators. Now, the bottom line is all of this is manipulation because the minute you set a boundary and you say, no, I'm not going to do that, then they have to, a couple choices to make. Are they going to intimidate and push in and demand, or are they going to back up and create an argument that you're making a bad choice and you don't have Basically, they're saying you don't have the right to do it, okay? So that's the one big category with two different subtypes that go, goes along with it. The, se- the second one is what I call the go-along-to-get-along people, and they have very fuzzy and indistinct boundaries. Now, the funny thing about it is that they're actually every bit as m- manipulative as the other people are. But they, they, are, they basically manipulate themselves in such a way that the other person is, it, it feels good and wants to stay with them in relationship. I mean, the core of go along to get along is fear. Because I, I, you know, if, I, if I say no, I'm afraid, what? The person will leave or they'll leave the relationship and I won't know what to do. And, and that sounds awful, but a lot of times there's a lot of things we think about that's that we would label as awful, but we're not going to say out loud because it it would uh, garner a fair amount of um, we think at least uh, ridicule about that. So the go along to get along people are out there. They tend they tend like I said to 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 kind of fit in 
you know, your happiness is my happiness. I try to help you feel better about yourself. I don't want you to get mad or upset or, or, um, uh, sad. And, and, and they, (coughs) excuse me, and they manage to, to kind of contort themselves in such a way so that it, it, you know, it's always easy in the relationship rather than setting a limit and saying, no, I don't, I'm, I'm really not interested in doing that. And they run that risk, right? The the person will say, fine, I don't want the relationship. And a lot of times that's the very thing that drives it along is they are sure that if they say no, the other person will leave. And the irony is, is a lot of relationships are this way too, romantic relationships. If I say no, then that person will leave either, either direction, men to women, women to men. Now, the, the, the third group is the yeah, but people. And the yeah, but is, you know, do you need some help? Yeah, but my problem's not that big of a deal. It's, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm not going through a hurricane right now, or I'm not going through, you know, some catastrophe. So therefore, my problem really doesn't amount to anything. The bottom line is they just have a really hard time asking for help, period. And so in their case, the boundaries that they have are not, are not a fence that demarcates what's theirs and what isn't theirs. That's what a fence does. Their boundaries are walls, and, and they're, they're relatively happy behind those walls because it's safer there. It's controlled there. It's predictable there. It's all of those things. So the yeah, but people basically relativize their own problems so that they don't have to ask for help. It's not that big of a deal is usually the <clears throat> the phrase that gets kicked around. So there's that. And then the last group is, what's your problem? Um, and and their their motto is, if you, if you don't like how you feel, then just change it. Life's tough. So get over it. <clears throat> and, and they tend to have a very critical spirit. They're, they're looking for correction, not connection. So the what's your problem sort of thing is that if you have a problem, then it's an inconvenience to me, and I don't, I don't want to hear it. I, I won't respond to it. And, and so they are very critical, <clears throat> and that's their, their impulse, the initial impulse is to pick apart what the problem is, what your problem is, so that they, they remain above the fray and they can be the helpful consultant or whatever that might be. But they never do that themselves. And really, they, they slough the responsibilities that they have for themselves. So people that are good with boundaries, people that are uh, Christians that are good with boundaries, uh, you know, notwithstanding the resistance around it's a pop psych term, you know, it, it's not found in Scripture. Yeah, it is actually. How, uh, you can go through all the Gospels and count how many times Jesus said no to one thing and yes to another, like being alone with his father, for example. That's a boundary. <clears throat> in Mark 2, if you really want a specific example, Mark 2, he has spent time in this village healing people, and then he retreats to the mountain to pray and spend time with his, with his Abba. And his, and his disciples find him and, and approach him, and, and they say, everybody down there still wants you. They want to hear more. They want to have the healings and everything. And he said, 
He said, no, we need to go to other villages as well. And so saying no is not anti-biblical. It, we see innumerable places where that happens in Scripture, not, not to build a doctrine around it, but it, just to have a clear understanding that boundaries is, is scriptural. It, it fits into that. Now, we have some distortions in our mind about boundaries being selfish, and boundaries being uh, self-absorbed, and I, you know, I'll just, I'll, this gives me an excuse to not help people. And there are those. I'm not going to deny that there are those, and that's where discernment and and kind of accountability with other people can come into play. They can help us say, you know, you have somebody who is in need. You have the ability to meet that need. Then. We're called to do that, and I, I mentioned, I think, on the last podcast about um, the you know the Galatians two six and five verse where Paul talks about bear one another's burdens, for in so doing you fulfill the law of Christ. And burdens in there, the in the Greek actually means boulder. So something so crushing, the person can't possibly carry it by themselves, and we're called to carry it with and even for them. On the other hand, going down a couple f- verses beyond that, he says, but, but, and, and, and that's what's key here, but every man should carry his own load. Again, you go into, into the original language of Greek, and what you find is load is very different than, bold, or than burden. Load is the same word we use for knapsack or, or backpack. And so oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that verse being the boulders and backpack verse because it delineates how I respond to someone's boulder that they're carrying. And I, my job isn't to, to judge whether it's a boulder or a burden or anything like that. It's, it's how they experience what they're going through. Now, granted, there are plenty of instances where people act like they're backpack, their daily responsibilities, the things that they carry with themselves day in and day out are like a boulder. And that's that's a complication that I'm not ready to address in this short of a time. But at the same time, just be mindful that it's part of that. It's, it's, it's you know, coming alongside somebody. And, and again, there are moments where I don't have to carry it for them, but I can carry it with them. I can walk with them while they're carrying it. So we think in dichotomous terms, black and white terms, either I carry it for them and they don't carry any of it, or I, I don't carry it at all. And that's that's not good boundaries either, really. Again, we're back to to walls again. And that's where it's gotten such a bad rap, I think, in a lot of cases. So that's that's the elongated explanation of the boundaries thing okay now the other one that is is a um, a particularly passionate thing that I I talk about when I'm looking at these dimensions because we talked about truth we talked about control we talked about boundaries and this one is and there are six by the way it's not five um, but there are six and and this one is how do they handle forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation? And see, connecting people 
connecting Christ followers have a clear understanding of what forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation actually are. And we have layers and layers and layers of distortion all over this that we don't even know exist. So let me give you an example of the layers that we carry with us. For example, a lot of times you will hear somebody say, well, I just, I guess I just got to forgive myself. And, you know, my less than um, diplomatic response, I, w- I don't say it to them, but I, I will say I say it here, is good luck. Because you're trying to try a case before or a judge, jury, and executioner yourself who has already sentenced you and indicted you. So it's not a matter of forgiving at all. It's a wrongful use of the word forgiving myself. What it is, is is I have to figure out how to give myself the grace that I have been offered to change. That's all that it is. It's not about forgiveness. And and we muddy the water, actually, when we use the word forgive because it carries its own definition and baggage with it. So there's some kind of transaction that has to occur. And this transaction with this phrase is me with myself. And again, I, I have an unwilling participant in it, <laughs> myself, because I... When somebody does something wrong, they have to be punished. And so if I do something wrong and somebody offers me grace, I'll still punish myself because that's the only way these balances can can get even, can get balanced. So this whole idea of forgiving yourself is an illusion. It's not in Scripture anywhere, and that's another issue in in it, okay? And that's just an example of the distortion. The other one is, which is the ever-popular kind of um, cultural thing that we say, is to forgive and forget. And, And this one really grates on my nerves, even as a psychologist, because we were not designed to forget Should I say it again? We were not designed to forget. So to forgive and forget, those are, is a false connection. We were designed to remember, and so much of Scripture itself is accounts of remembering where we have been. And it's accounts of people who are remembering events in the past. And we count on that. Quite honestly, if you were able to, let me just play that one out. If you were able to forget it, you would never learn anything. So, and why do I say that? Memory is the basis for learning. That's how we learn. So, forgiving is one thing, but learning is another. And that's what's missing in all of this, okay? So those are just two typical examples of distortions around this issue of forgiveness. The other one is is just I'm letting the person off the hook. They don't have to pay any consequences, and, and it just means that what they did is okay. Again, false, very false, <laughs> because in a lot of ways we, we handle forgiveness 
as a transaction. I will do this if you change your behavior. And that's, again, that's not biblical. If you're using that as the standard, it is not biblical. Because we were forgiven what Romans tells us. We were forgiven when we were still enemies of God. And I think it was Romans. Um, and we were still enemies of his. And he forgave us anyway. Why? Because forgiveness sets somebody free. And usually that person is me. Not the person that I'm, I'm talking about. Or that I have an issue with. Okay? So... When, when you think about and talk about forgiveness, there are two different kinds, okay? And I think, I think I'm going to have to end on this one because I'm, I, I can already see that, that this is going to take me a while. Um, there's a superficial forgiveness and there's a, a genuine forgiveness. In the superficial one, it, it's a social convention, a little more than a social convention. It's, okay, oh, I'm sorry, and we say, oh, that's okay, and we move on, and it, both people are feeling better about the situation. We have no idea whether or not there's any sincerity behind it at all, and, and so a lot of times what we'll say, at least in, in social media, is sorry about that, and the person will say, no worries, it's fine. Well, maybe. Is it really? I mean, I, there are plenty of things that happen in, in our social interactions with people that would fall under the category of kind of bumps and bruises in the relationship. They're not major ruptures and, and severances at all, but it really is a little more than superficial and social convention designed to minimize the harm to both people, really, either, pe either person. And that's superficial, it, and that's why it never lasts. That's, that's why we never see. So for the person who's doing the offending, if you will, it's an attempt to minimize the impact on the offended, the person I've hurt, and really assuage my own guilt in order to manage it and not feel so bad. So I offer that as kind of a peace offering to be able to do that. For the offended, it's, it's to remove the burden of guilt from the person who's offended you. Rather than saying, ouch, that hurt, and then they can make a choice about whether they continue with that behavior or, or they don't. But it, it, it's, it's like I said, it's kind of a social convention. I'll let you go if you let me go kind of thing. Now, the, the last category is the genuine one. And the thing I want to make sure is clear is that when we're talking about forgiveness, there are actually two things to forgiveness. One is the decision that we make, one. And that, that's relatively, I wouldn't say easy, but it's relatively straightforward. Let's put it that way. And then there's a process. And the thing that we often do is we think the decision substitutes for the work that has to be done to forgive somebody else. And most people don't know anything about this process at all. Now, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm indebted to another uh, colleague of mine many, many years ago, a guy by the name of David Stoop. And if you're interested and you want to learn more about this, he wrote a book called Forgiving Our Parents, Forgiving Ourselves. And it is, it, it's a good book. It talks about this very process that I'm going to introduce you to. Because 
If you were to go into your banker today, which we can't do because it's all electronic and digital anyway, but if you were to go into your banker and say and and bring in the promissory note to your home and say, I want you to forgive this, because that's the word we use, a financial transaction. I want you to forgive this. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, you look like a nice person. Go in peace. You know, I'll, 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 I'll forgive your debt. No, usually what they will do is go into their computer and check to see how much you owe the bank on the note, usually, realistically. And so how in the world can we forgive something that we have no idea or clarity about what has happened? Because forgiveness is about removing the debt somebody owes us. And we've, de- we've decided what the debt is. What do they owe me? Restitution, an apology, whatever that might be. And so there's a process. And the process looks a little bit like this. The first and foremost part of it is recognizing how I have been hurt. And being specific, this is not blame, this is only description being specific about how I've been hurt. I cannot forgive what I will not identify. Okay? So recognizing how I've been hurt. Secondly, I, I have to identify the feelings I have about that. And a lot of times we conveniently hate our feelings. The, the, the reality is, is the very thing that connects us to God is our feelings and our thoughts, not just our thoughts or beliefs, whatever you want to call it. So we have to identify our feelings. I have felt ostracized. I've, I've felt offended. I, I'm hurt by the other person's reactions. And, and there's, there's a whole bevy of things that go into the feelings that I have. Now, it, you can say, well, that's all well and good, but what good does that do me if I identify the feelings? Well, the third, the third step, if you will, is I've got to find someone who is mature and worthy enough, trustworthy enough, for me to be able to express what those feelings actually are. The interesting thing about that is that if I follow the feelings, they might actually take me to the beliefs I have about that. And if we start with our beliefs, we'll never find our feelings. But the feelings will do that. And that's part of, it's the, the context and the background behind our relationship with anyone, really. And so feelings are a, an important part of that. And this is not trying to make them superior or more important than anything else. But we have to, we have to seek to engage this process of forgiveness with our whole being, not just our head and what we believe. It's got to be both, really. And so the, the, the recognizing how I've been hurt, identifying the feelings that, that are part of that, and the beliefs will figure themselves out, and then expressing those feelings as someone who's, who's mature and trustworthy enough to do that. Not everybody applauds expressing these feelings and talking about them and feeling them in that moment. There's not very many people. I will tell you that I think Christians that are more driven by connection are also people that are more willing to accept your feelings as they are. 
rather than tell you what they should be. The third step, fourth step, I should say, is setting boundaries to protect yourself. Now, I'll send you back to what I just covered with the boundaries thing because I can't still be in the presence of someone who continues to hurt me and not set limits on their behavior. And because then I'm just, I'm inadvertently, I'm, I'm opening myself to more and more hurt and therefore then more and more challenge to forgive. And, and then it gets so, I get so buried underneath that, that I, that I don't know where to start. So you've got recognizing how I've been hurt, identifying the feelings I have, expressing that as someone who is safe, and then Fourthly, setting boundaries protect myself if I'm still around that person who's done that in the first place. Okay, not not walls, not walls. Don't go down that road. Then and only then, we do what forgiveness is about, which I mentioned to you, and that's canceling the debt. And and my shorthand way of understanding forgiveness is releasing somebody from my demand that they change. Releasing somebody from my demand that they change. And I release them from that. And that that language is the language of canceling the debt. And then last but not least is considering, praying, seeking for reconciliation. But ultimately, we have to have people doing both. Not only confession and repentance, but also forgiveness. And forgiveness, I'm called to forgive. I'm also called to repent, but those two are might it might not be necessarily connected. I don't think they are. Actually, they're connected to reconciliation, but it means both people have explored their part in in the the problem area or the the issue of the relationship and so forth. Now, there's one other thing that I will mention to you, and that is. What about the repentance piece? Because again, we don't do this in our in our um, culture at all. We don't repent. I mean, I, we'll say we're sorry, but I mean, the irony, there's exquisite irony to that word, I'm sorry, <laughs> is that it comes from the word sorrowful. Sorry does. It's just a shortened version of it. And so I would suggest that confession is to say the same thing as the person who I've hurt. I say the same thing as they know it to be. Not what I think it is, but to say it, and and I've done enough heart searching to be able to know that. Soul searching might be the other word. But repentance, on the other hand, includes two different things, even when you look over the vast expanse of Scripture. In Hebrew, there's not really, as I understand it, there is not really a word for repentance. The word that's used is teshuva. And what it means is to return, to return. And then the word that we have in the Greek that we always kind of tend to emphasize is metanoia, which means a change of mind. So if you're putting the whole thing together, you could say a a change in direction, return, and a change of mind. That's repentance. And so 
there there are other details around genuine and superficial repentance. I'm not going to get into them tonight. Um, and I, I may tag that on it at the beginning of the next uh, episode. The next episode, what I want to look at is conflict, and I want to look at intimacy because they are intimately connected more so than we know, um, and those are important. And so the the four dimensions that we've already looked at is truth, control, boundaries, and, and forgiveness, and repentance, and reconciliation. Those are the building blocks for what's to come in the next episode. <laughs> nice tease, right? So that's that's I'm I'm gonna put a stake in it, and uh, and we'll come back to that later. So just a couple of things of reminder as we're closing up. Uh, one, DM me your questions about any of the material I just covered tonight. I did a reasonably good job with my cough. I'm. I'm happy for that so that you didn't have to have your ears blown out or your speakers blown out with what you're listening uh, with. If you want to subscribe, please, when you hit the website, sgi-net.org, um, you will be asked to become part of the community. If you do and provide your email, then you will be ident- or not identified. That sounds awful. Uh, you'll get an update for any new things that are showing up on the website that you might want to look at. And we have free resources, and then we have paid resources. A good example of that is the digital devotionals I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, they come every week. Uh, it's literally called Setting New Boundaries, and, and it helps you to become sensitive to, do I have a problem with boundaries? If I do, what do I do about it? And then finally, how do I maintain it? And every third one is on that topic. So um, those will come throughout the year, and uh, you will have the opportunity to to uh, be reminded once a week about the whole boundaries thing and have a clear understanding of it. Um, you can also follow us on social media outlets, Instagram. We're at SGI underscore international. That's where we can be found. On Facebook, we're still working off of mine, so it's Ray.Mitch, M-I-T-S-C-H, and then LinkedIn, D-R-Mitch. So any of those social media outlets you'll find us on. Uh, The podcast itself, I think, is fully propagated out to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, any of the the places that you consume podcasts, you'll be able to find us there uh, under the Outpost podcast. Um, If you're interested in partnering with us to continue to grow not only the organization and being able to implement the, the, the leadership training and the, the uh, groups, the digital groups, and eventually the, the in-person groups, um, it, I would, we would be ever so grateful to, to, for your support. We need to so, continue to grow the scholarship fund for uh, the silent retreats for uh, alumni or other people coming to uh, the silent retreats in the future. Um, and, and so your gifts are all tax-deductible. Uh, SGI is a tax-exempt organization. We'll send you a receipt to take note of your uh, contribution to the efforts here for the silent retreats or the larger mission of SGI, which we need. This is not cheap. We need all the help we can get, uh, whether it's by volunteers in your time or whether it's by a monetary support um, or you know prayer support. We certainly need that as well. So, 
If you'd rather send us a physical check, you're welcome to do so. Here it comes. My, my cough is coming. Um, you can send it to Stained Glass International. The address is P.O. Box 322 East Lake, Colorado 80614. So uh, you can either do it digitally on the donate uh, button or the do donate menu bar uh, item, or you can do it physically that way, and we would be we would be ever so grateful for the support um, to to be able to continue what we're trying to do here at SGI. So that's it for tonight. Thanks so much for joining me and taking some time out of your schedule to listen in. Um, I look forward, Lord willing, and the cough abates uh, to uh, join you next week. Uh, and until then, love you. Later. Bye.